One season ends, and another one begins. It's closing time, and opening day, in the same episode. Welcome to the Gem on the Queen's Crown, an adventure taking you through the terrain of Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, the iHeartRadio app, TuneIn, Stitcher, as well as Pocket Cast, Acast, Anchor.fm, Radio Line, Radio Public, Player.fm, Spreaker, Podbean, Podchaser, Overcast.fm, BeyondPod, Podbay.fm, Listen Notes, TheLeeWMowen.com, and the host, GemCitySports.com. Music is provided by FreeStockMusic.com. Now, please join your host for another exciting episode of the Gem of the Queen's Crown, Lee W. Mowen. It's episode number 33 here, and before we continue on with the episode, I'd just like to mention a quick word about a former news anchor in Dayton that passed away these past few days. If you haven't heard, Ken Jefferson, formerly of WHIO Channel 7 in the Dayton, Ohio area, passed away at the age of 65. Now, this is mentioned mainly because Ken Jefferson's one of the anchors I watched as a kid, and also another influence on why I wanted to become a broadcaster. I mentioned Mark Allen and Jim Baldridge, you know, to the mainstays. Mark Allen's still at WDTN, and Baldridge retired some years ago, but I also watched Ken Jefferson, too, so it was really sad to see the news that he passed away. I think I saw this when I came home from Lexington, Kentucky, over the weekend. The article I'm reading from is from DaytonDailyNews.com by the Breaking News staff. It just mentions that former News Center 7 anchor Ken Jefferson died this weekend after a brief illness, according to WVIR-TV, in Charlottesville, Virginia. It's the station he was working at some time. Worked 25 years in Dayton, Ohio. Left in 2002 to explore new career opportunities in Florida. And also on this article, again, DaytonDailyNews.com. It has Ken Jefferson's final clip as he tells everyone goodbye on Channel 7. And it's about a minute. And it's from 2002. So, condolences to the Jefferson family. And rest in peace, Ken. Now, to episode 33, I mentioned it's opening time and closing time all in the same episode. And it's too bad that you need licenses to play music because wouldn't this be the perfect time to play Closing Time by Semisonic? It sure would. But I can't because I don't want to get sued and I don't have any money. So, let's talk about what I did this weekend. 
I called the 2018 Kentucky High School Hockey League Tournament in Lexington, Kentucky. The group that brought me in uh, found out about me while I was doing the Martin Luther King Jr. Weekend Tournament for the Centerville Elks, and they had a team from Lexington in there, the Lexington Thoroughbreds. They picked up their first win of the tournament, their last game against Troy, 4-2, to I believe was the final score on that, and people loved it, and one thing happened after another, and eventually got everything settled, and I was heading to Lexington just last Friday, uh, it was a lot of fun, a lot of great times, a lot of great hockey, 10 games played at the Lexington Ice and Recreation Center, as I mentioned on a couple of the streams, I think it's the only ice hockey arena that I've ever been to. Actually, I can confirm it is the only place I've ever been to that has a mini golf course by the rink. It's also got a couple basketball courts, and it has an auxiliary rink, which wasn't attached. It's behind the main rink. It's probably the most painted rink I've ever seen. I, I don't mean, like, painted in just one color, bam, there you go. I mean... There's a lot of individual paintings of animals skiing, having fun. There's a penguin that was sliding down a mountain for some reason in front of us. And the uh, box on the ice. It's a really cool place. I enjoyed my time. A lot of great hockey to be played. And my second time calling a game in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, the first time was an indoor football game at the Alltech Arena, which if you don't know, that is on a very big horse complex, you know, Kentucky being the bluegrass state and a huge, huge spot for thoroughbreds and horse racing, you know, the Kentucky Derby, one of the biggest events in the sport. That was really cool, actually, going back thinking about it, because they laid out the turf entirely on the dirt it was pretty cool. The Sharks ended up winning that game, and that was the last season of Dayton Sharks indoor football, but I fondly remember the trip. We didn't get into town. It was the last exit before 75 merges with 64, before you get into the major part. So yeah, I was really excited, really, really nervous over the past week, because it was my first state tournament I ever got to broadcast. So, I was pretty nervous about that. And it turned out I didn't really need to be nervous. I called many hockey games. In fact, in my career, I am now 20 shy of 1,000 games. So, yeah, I didn't have a reason to be scared. It's just a lot of new people, a lot of new teams. I've only seen one team officially. Technically, I've seen a lot of players from the Lexington Thoroughbreds that were part of the Lexington Bandits squad um, that played that tournament, but the main team I saw was the Norfolk Kentucky Norse, which has no connection with Norfolk Kentucky University. I still wonder if there is, like, a connection, like, historically back in the day that Norse... I don't know. It's not important. But... Ten great games, and the championship game went to the number two seed Oldham County Colonels. They won three to one against number one Norfolk, Kentucky, and that was a great tournament to be had. Lots of close games. There was the blowout to start off the tournament. Eighteen nothing. Norfolk, Kentucky beat Louisville 
Saint Xavier. But wrestling really close. There was a game that ended in a fight. And it was a lot of great hockey that I got to call. And it seemed like a lot of people enjoyed it. I will have all the archives up soon on the South Metro Sports YouTube page, which is youtube.com slash South Metro Sports if you're interested in watching it. Because I recommend that you do. There's a lot of great games out in Lexington, Kentucky. Didn't get to explore the city much, but it was a nice time. They hooked me up. I mean the host. They hooked me up with a real nice hotel suite just a couple minutes from the rink. I ended up getting lost because I didn't take a turn that I didn't remember. And I wrote, I wrote myself back to the store. I was like, oh, well, this is great. Well, that, that kind of stunk, but hey, that that wasn't anyone's fault but my own. I forgot about the turn. But real nice area, real nice place, and I had a lot of fun. Lots of hospitality. Can't thank everyone enough. I'm still wearing my Kentucky High School Hockey League tournament shirt that I got, and I love it. I absolutely love it. So I want to thank everyone that helped me out, everyone that watched, even though I had internet issues out the wazoo for the last three games. I know. I'm sorry. I tried. So, again, all ten of those games will be uploaded onto the YouTube page at some time. So with that tournament closed, that's my last hockey call until next season starts, which in the state of Ohio, that would be November sometime. I do have a hockey note in high school. Uh, the Columbus District was won over the weekend on March 3rd. Dublin Jerome and the Celtics defeated the Liberty Patriots 4-1, to and that means the Celtics will be in the semifinals of the state. Four teams left, and Dublin Jerome has number one St. Ignatius out of Cleveland, who are 28-9-1 overall. And the winner of that game gets to play for the state title. So congrats go out to Dublin Jerome. They have a real strong team. It was nice to reconnect with some of the fans when Centerville was about ready to play, what was it, the Sales or Upper Arlington? I'm not sure which game it was, but the Celtic fans remembered me and saying, you were great. So it was that was cool that they remembered me for that. So good luck goes out to Dublin Jerome and bring one back for Central slash Southwest Ohio. All right, Celtics. So hockey season's done. That's the closing part of this episode. And now it's opening day for college baseball. Now, yes, college baseball season has been going on for some time, close to a month now. But today marks the first home game in the Sunday area, and it's for the Dayton Flyers. Dayton comes home. They'll host the Eagles of Eastern Michigan of the MAC at Warner Field. It is absolutely free to come out. If you're one of the first 50 people out there, you get a free opening day t-shirt. Free t-shirt, free admission, cheap snacks. Come on out. It's a great time. This will be the first home game for Coach Jason King. He takes over for longtime head coach Tony Vittorio. It's going to be a little bit different. Not going into the batting cages and talk to Coach V, see how he's doing everything. But Coach King has taken over. The Flyers are 1-7. 
They've lost six in a row, and they're coming off two losses at number five Arkansas. The Razorbacks, one of the top teams in the nation. So Dayton looking for some home cooking to get underway. It's a good team. I think the Flyers will make some noise in the Atlantic 10 this season. So UD's first home game is today. Scheduled second home games tomorrow against the Miami Red Hawks. And the third home game will be this week as well, Friday, against the Wright State Raiders. Last time I got to announce Dayton versus Wright State, the Raiders turned in a perfect game, their first no-hitter since 1993. And I think, what, the second perfect game in Wright State baseball history? So just to tell you a little bit about the three teams coming in, I mentioned Eastern Michigan being the only exception of non-Sunday teams coming in, but the Eagles are 3-8 and eight on the season, but currently riding a two-game win streak, including beating Ohio State 6-1 to one on March the 4th at the Cox Diamond Invitational in Pensacola, Florida. And the last time these two teams played, you have to turn the calendar March 16, 2016 at Warner Field, and the Eagles won 7-6. Miami comes into town tomorrow. The Red Hawks are 8-3 and three on the year. And on a six-game tear heading into Wednesday's game. Red Hawks have already played three extra inning games. Two and one in those contests. So that's a darn good Red Hawks squad to come out and see. And Wright State is 5-6 and six overall. We'll talk a little bit about Raider baseball coming up. Because they're home openers this week too. Yes, this public address announcer and broadcaster is very, very busy this week. Hence why I decided to go for this theme for episode 33. That and I really couldn't think of anything else. The Raiders are 5-6. and six. They recently won road series at number 20 Louisiana Lafayette. Or just Louisiana. It used to be Louisiana Lafayette. The Ragin' Cajuns. They were number 20 at the time. Raiders picked up. A series win there, and also picking up a series win at Texas Arlington. And sandwiched in the middle of that was a split against Sam Houston State and the Bearcats with AK. So the Raiders will be playing first in the Miami Valley at Dayton. Raiders 5-6, and six, and these squads are going to play each other twice over the weekend. Scheduled once Friday at Warner Field, might move to Nishwitz Stadium if the weather doesn't cooperate. I got someone tweeting me, he's like, it's supposed to snow this week. And I show him what I see off AccuWeather.com, like, no it's not. Might not be the funnest of weeks in weather-wise, but remember, Wright State's Nishwitz Stadium, except for the pitching mounds and the bullpen mounds, it's all turf. Whereas the Dayton Flyers' Warner Field is natural grass. I can't wait to get back announcing college baseball and college softball. I mean, I always look forward to this time of year. It gets warm again. And by the way, set your clocks an hour ahead this upcoming Saturday night. See, you you never know what you're going to get out of this podcast. Oh, wait. Yeah, you do. Local Sunday sports, because that's what I'm passionate about. Anyway, so Dayton and Wright State, that's supposed to play at Friday and the Raiders are going to host Dayton for the first of two games over the season Saturday. That's scheduled for four at Nishwood Stadium 
like I mentioned, it's free to get in for Flyer baseball games, and it's cheap to get into Raider games. I think no more than five bucks. So really, you like good baseball? You got two great options in Dayton alone. Actually, you have three. Sinclair Baseball hosted their first home games just last weekend, and they play at Xenia's Grady Field on the Complex of the Athletes in Action Complex, south of town. So yeah, you got three great options in Dayton alone, and then you have Miami, Cincinnati, and Xavier making up the Division One scope in Ohio. You also have Northern Kentucky, which is picked to finish fourth in the Horizon League, fourth or sixth behind the Raiders, UIC, and Milwaukee. So there you go. You got lots of baseball option. That's just keeping it Division One. Unfortunately. I'm trying to think. In terms of non-Division 1, there's a couple schools. I know Wittenberg, Wilmington, and Earlham have baseball squads. Central State and Wilberforce do not. Central State used to back in the day. I think Wilberforce did too, if I'm remembering right. Clark State, I think, does have a team. I know they did a while back. But... Like I mentioned, lots of college baseball, and I'm the PA announcer for Dayton Flyers and some Wright State Raiders games, so if you see me, wave, say hi. I don't bite. I promise. So again, just to recap, first college baseball home games today at 3 o'clock, Flyers host Eastern Michigan. Tomorrow at 3, Flyers host Miami Redhawks. Friday at 3, Flyers host Wright State. Could be Wright State hosting Dayton if that game gets moved to Nishwood Stadium. Just depends what happens during the week. You can follow along, DaytonFlyers.com, WSURaiders.com. So the first Wright State home games are scheduled for Saturday, maybe Friday, as I just got done explaining. But Saturday, the Raiders will play two. First off, they'll get the Hartford Hawks of the New England area at 1 o'clock, and then the Flyers at 4 and then Sunday, the Hartford Hawks will play two. They'll play Dayton first at 11, and then Wright State at 3. And also, upcoming week, the Raiders will host Xavier in Cincinnati. Xavier will be Tuesday next week at 6.30, and Cincinnati's game will be Wednesday at 4 o'clock. So the Musketeers and the Bearcats make their way to Nishwood Stadium, take on the Raiders. So, come on out for that. I'm really excited about college baseball and college softball season. It means the weather's getting warmer. It's nice outside. Open the windows. And if it does get nasty out, close the windows, have the heater on. I love this time of year. Well, I'm thinking about it, too, for the Wright State Raiders softball team. They've been on a tear as of late. 3-12 and 12 on the season. A tough start to the season. But the Raiders picked up the first win under Coach Matthews. March the 2nd against Penn in 8 innings. Beat the Quakers 14-2. Then turned around. Beat Central Michigan 6-5. Western Michigan 4-0 before falling to Wisconsin 12-0 in 5. The Raiders have the Holy City Showdown tournament coming up in Charleston, South Carolina this upcoming weekend and then the first home game will be March 13th, this next Tuesday against Dayton 
and then next week, two Tuesdays from now, against Toledo. And then Bowling Green will be at home at Wright State for a doubleheader March 21st, starting at 5. And we look at the Flyers softball schedule. The Flyers will be home first. Won't be for a while, actually. Saturday, March 24th, the first home series. It looks like it'll be 8-10 play against the Fordham Rams. That'll be Saturday, March 24th for a doubleheader starting at noon, and March 25th closing it out at noon on that series. I think the first non-conference game at home is April 11th. That's next month at 4.30 against the Wright State Raiders at UD Softball Stadium. Softball games free to get in at UD and very cheap to get in at Wright State. And actually, both softball stadiums have very nice views from the press box slash press tent. You have a nice view of Carillon Historical Park from UD Softball Stadium. Very nice. You got trees behind the playing field, so you don't remember most of the time that Evan C. Moses is just right behind you. And Wright State Softball Fields on the other side of Nishwood Stadium. Like I mentioned, check out your schools. There's a lot of sports to be played in the Sunday area. And speaking of hoops, what a year it's been in the 513 and the 937. Congrats go out to the regular season champs, the Cincinnati Bearcats of the American Athletic Conference, the Xavier Musketeers of the Big East, and the Northern Kentucky Norse of the Horizon League. And it came down to the last weekend of the Horizon League. The Raiders dropped a 10-point decision to IUPUI. I remember listening to that game before the Buckeye Urine Tournament started last weekend. That was 25 games in three days, and this broadcaster still has a voice. Ha ha. Anyway, hoops, very, very successful. The AAC and the Big East tournaments should start soon. Tonight, the Horizon League title will be introduced, and that takes me right to the next topic. Raider Hoops are on fire. Both women and men will be playing for the title of the Horizon League. The women have number 22 Green Bay and the men will have Cleveland State. The Phoenix, very strong squad, handed the Dayton Flyers their only home loss on the season and they swept the Raiders on a home and home. Very close games. The Phoenix... They're, they're just, they're the strong program in the Horizon League. However, Wright State's beat them before, and they can beat them again. You just have to play a whole 40 minutes, whole four quarters, and you never know what's going to happen. And the last time that happened, the Raiders got their first ever trip to the big dance. I think that was 2014, beating Green Bay 88-69. And then the Raiders got to play in Lexington, Kentucky against the Wildcats. The men on the other side, they're the number two seed, the women number three seed. The men will have Cleveland State. The Raiders have taken care of business thus far. They took care of Green Bay, and they took care of Milwaukee last night. The first win against the Panthers out of three games. The Raiders took both of them, and now take on number eight, Cleveland State, who two games prior upset the top seed in Northern Kentucky. And that was a very good Vikings win. And last night's Cleveland State game against Oakland, well, it was hard to buy a basket in that game. You almost had to ask Vanna White for a basket, then she'd scold you and say, that's not a vowel. I don't know why I brought that reference up, but 
the Vikings won that. I think it was combined. I think it was under 80 points or something close to that. The Vikings won, and it'll be Wright State, Cleveland State. The Vikings, by the way, are 12 and 22, 9 and 22 heading into the tournament, but it's when you catch fire in a bottle. That's the most important thing. The Vikings split the series with Wright State, won at CSU, and the Vikings just shot the roof off the Wolstein Center with the threes, I think, tying the school record. I don't think they broke the school record. I'm not remembering. I know I retweeted it, but the Lee W. Mallon on Twitter, by the way, if you don't believe me. Whereas Wright State, they won at home, took it to the Vikings. We will see the Raider women play at noon against number 22 Green Bay and the men against Cleveland State at 7, and that wraps up the Motor City Madness. That's the Horizon League Tournament at the Little Caesars Arena in Detroit, Michigan. So good luck out there to all the local squads. Also a piece of news, the Miami Middletown women's team won state. They won the Ohio Regional Campus Conference title. Very proud of the Thunderhawks. Congrats go out to them. And Miami Hamilton and the Harriers, the men, won the ORCC title. Congrats go out to MUM and MUH for the wins, bringing home the hardware for Miami's branch campuses. And speaking of Miami, the men will be heading to Cleveland to continue playing in the MAC tournament at the Q. Man, that's that's got to be a neat thing to be able to play where the Cleveland Cavaliers do. That's that's got to be real cool to set up and just be a part of. Be a fly on the wall. Be a fan, you know. So, congrats go out. Miami defeated Ohio in another battle of the bricks. And the Red Hawks are soaring up to Northeast Ohio. So, college basketball. Pretty cool. Pretty cool in the Sunday area. I even tweeted about it this morning. And I used the hashtag Dayton. Used to be part of the 513... The 513 until 1996. And if you want a history lesson on that, pretty much 513 in conference Southwest Ohio. And then it turned out there wasn't a lot of 513 numbers left. So Dayton got 937 in the late 90s. There you go. I bet you learned a lot from that, didn't you? So we mentioned about hockey closing, college baseball and softball starting. We mentioned basketball still going on. Also like to give a shout out to Mark Schlemmer as Kinner and Schlemmer are still going quite strong on ESPN fourteen ten. It's great to have my buddy Mark on radio sounding lively, enjoying it. Justin and Mark are heading up to Detroit. They're going to do a show live up there today. And then they're going to have a remote at the Troy Buffalo Wild Wings tomorrow, which is Wednesday the seventh, for those listening to this podcast not on the day I release it. It's just great to see Mark Schlemmer return to the air. He had such a charisma with the callers. I mean, he makes it about the callers and the family. That's why it's such a neat thing. People need to be able to talk about sports. And it's nice to see local sports get some recognition on this show. So, proud of Mark and Justin. show's going quite well. Things look bright the only problem is with Mark taking this show is that now I lost my roundtable co-host 
which, you know, I'll live. I'll, we'll figure something out. Mark still will be part of the podcast, of course, but I want to give him space and time on that. So it's great to see. It's great to hear, actually, because you can't really see it. You can hear it on your radio or your app, but there you go. Also a basketball update. Uh, Central State's women's basketball team fell by one point in the SIAC title game to Clark Atlanta. It was a last-second shot from what I understand. Rotter women, they kicked butt this year. Great season for CSU. I think they should still be part of the selection Sunday for Division Two. Actually, is it Selection Sunday? I'm not 100% sure, but I think that CSU should be going to the Big Dens. Congrats go out to the Marauders for a great season. It's been a lot of fun to see. So that will just about do it for episode 33. I've already mentioned a great big thank you to the Lexington Bandits, the hosts of the 2018 Kentucky High School Hockey League Tournament. Like I mentioned, the hotel room that they hooked me up. Very, very sweet. The other thing I didn't get to try is the Whirlpool spa or bath. I don't know what it's called. I don't really need it, but, you know, it's really cool. Uh, There are talks that maybe I do it again from Louisville because in Kentucky it swaps three locations, Lexington, Louisville, and Owensboro, Kentucky. And, of course, Owensboro was going to be a home for an ECHL team until it wasn't. You know, read up on that story. That was a lot of fun. Also, there was something that just came across the score, the app I use on my phone for sports, saying that the field of 68 will be announced before the bracket spots. Now, I don't know about you, but doesn't that kind of ruin the surprise? I mean, you look to see where you go and if your name's called. I mean, if you win your conference tournament, you know you're going in. The only question is, what's your seed? Where are you going? Who are you playing? And when? Now it's in the 68 before, just... It feels like it takes the chase out of the whole thing. I I don't like it. And I know a lot of people that I saw on Twitter discussing it don't like it either. I don't like it myself. But... If they want to try it, see if that shakes up ratings, go ahead. I don't think it will. But we'll see how that goes. Again, come out to see local college baseball at Warner Field today and tomorrow, the 6th and 7th, Eastern Michigan on Tuesday, Miami on Wednesday, and on Friday, the Gem City Slam. Not to be confused with the Gem City Jam that hasn't happened since 1997. The Gem City Slam baseball series lives on. Wright State is scheduled to be at Dayton, but that might flip-flop in terms of location. That's at 3 o'clock on Friday. And then Wright State will have their home opener this upcoming weekend against Hartford and Dayton. Again, very cheap entertainment. Great athletes, great kids out there playing the sport they love. Support local Sunday sports. And I think that will just about do it for episode 33. Sorry that it wasn't much of an episode, but I figured make it about me for once, share what I got to experience. It wouldn't hurt once in a while, would it? Episode 34 will be next week. 
What will it be about? I'm not quite sure yet. That's the fun of the chase. This is the gem on the Queen's Crown. Follow me on social media on Twitter at the Lee W. Mowen, Facebook the Lee W. Mowen, and Instagram the Lee W. Mowen. And visit the and you can follow along the podcast there as well. Until next week, this is Lee W. Mowen signing off and wishing you a fond week. Thank you for listening to the Gem on the Queen's Crown. Follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, the iHeartRadio app, TuneIn, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Acast, Radio Public, Anchor.fm, Radio Line, Player.fm, Spreaker, Podbean, Podchaser, Overcast.fm, BeyondPod, Podbait.fm, and listen notes by searching Gem in the Queen's Crown. Like the Facebook page, The Gem on the Queen's Crown, and follow on Twitter at Gem on Queen Crown. Follow the host on Twitter and Facebook at The Lee W. Mowen. Visit TheLeeWMowen.com and GemCitySports.com. Music provided by FreestockMusic.com. Music